there are those who believe that life here began out there, far across the universe, with tribes of humans who may have been the forefathers of the Egyptians, or the Toltecs, or the Mayans, that they may have been the architects of the Great Pyramids, or the lost civilizations of Lemuria, or Atlantis. Some believe that there may yet be brothers of man who even now fight to survive somewhere beyond the heavens. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Smoking and Drinking in Space. This is a sci-fi podcast from a couple guys who think they know sci-fi. I'm Jason. And corn syrup socks! <laughs> Hi, fruit toast fuckers. Ah, corn syrup. <laughs> and there goes our corn syrup sponsorship. That was Red, <laughs> and this week we are discussing 1978's Glenn Larson space opera, the original Battlestar Galactica, episodes one through three. And I really have, this has been one of the best podcasts ever. It, you know, I mean, we can stop right here. Hands down, best sci-fi show ever put on television. The movie was great. The grips were great. I'm sure the catering they had was wonderful. So who, who gets your awards, Jason? So would you say this is maybe the, the perfect sci-fi the most perfect sci-fi ever made is. I is can't that what you're say anything say? more. I can't use. There's there, there's no other words. Anything more would be too much. It's just it's mm. it's done. Game over. It's done. Mm. I'm gonna have to. Uh, it's done. Yeah, I'm gonna have it's to disagree. Done. We're gonna have to discuss this. Oh my heaven! No, no. <laughs> I've drank the Kool Aid. It's yeah. done. Yeah, I'm sure you have. But let's uh, let's discuss Gargled some uh, sci-fi mm. news first. How's that? All right. What do you got this week? Well, you mentioned this a while back, and I got to looking at it, and um, I was watching some uh, some stuff, reading a few articles about that new show that uh, Disney's putting out on, called The Mandalorian. Right. And apparently, they have decided this is going to be the savior for the Star Wars universe. Recently, there has been, this is more for the um, Wall Street Journal set, there has been a major acquisition of copyright on um, various rub-on tattoos, toys, school supplies. I think actually, I think that's what jumped me on this because I was looking at the Office Depot website because that's like you know my thing. I love office supplies. You are an office supply whore. I do like office supplies. It's like Toys R Us to me. And they were talking about up and coming, you know major things that they're looking at doing. Plus, I was thinking about buying some stock in a company. And they just recently had a whole bunch of things that are going to be focused on the Mandalorian, you know, backpacks, pencils, erasers, all this stuff going on. So it looks like 2019, there's going to be a huge push on the Mandalorian. The downside of what I was reading is that it looks like they're going to be putting this on a streaming service. They're going to pull a Star Trek Discovery on everybody. And unless you're paying that $10 a month, you're not going to see any of the episodes. Oh, that fucking sucks. That's not guaranteed confirmed yet, but it's it's really leaning that way. I don't know if they're going to be maybe possibly maybe putting over on Netflix where a lot of people already have an account. But Disney has its own independent streaming service, as you know. And it looks like that's probably where the Mandalorian is going to go. But they are really buying up all kinds of stuff for merch, primarily focusing on the kids, of course. And it seems like that's what uh, they're going to be doing. Well, if also, I, I to- want to throw a shout out uh, for some of a lot of this information I got from the Star Wars Only channel on YouTube. And uh, the gentleman that was uh, talking about this was really uh, putting out some good information and interpretation of the data. And he sounds like he's spot on, you know, because I came across this. I found him. I linked on it on YouTube. He came up top of the list. I watched and listened to his little uh, podcast type thing on here. It's like a six-minute video. 
And uh, then I went back and did a little more digging. And yeah, I mean, it sounds like he's really done his research. And uh, it looks like we're going to be seeing a lot of Mandalorian stuff in the future. And it's more than likely going to be on the Disney streaming service. Well, if I had to guess, I would say that the Disney streaming service is probably going to be Hulu because with the acquisition of the uh, Fox assets, other mm -hmm. than, you know, the broadcasting Fox Sports and Fox News, right? they got controlling share of Hulu. In fact, I think they own 70, 80% of it now. Um, so they're probably going to be putting it on Hulu. Uh, they already have you know, all of their ABC assets on Hulu. Fox had most of it, if not all of their uh, assets on Hulu. So it's probably going to be the Hulu platform or they'll just dump the Hulu platform and start up a, a platform of their own. So, Man, if they bought General Dynamics and Pfizer, they could be the Umbrella Corporation. Uh, yeah, they probably could. Wow. The Disney is just massive. Yeah, they're growing. And that says something in this economy. Well, I mean... There's a lot of big companies that are having to restructure to maintain their gain. But, man, Disney is just a juggernaut. Yeah, they're and they're at that point where the basically the only way they're going to grow is, is through merger and acquisition. So, sure. Um, they're getting to a point, though, where they've, they've diversified so much and... I don't know that they could, or they would have to diversify more. They'd have to get into uh, some some areas where they don't currently exist because you mean like food areas where they have high yeah, food yes. corn syrup, <laughs> right, right, something like that. Um, uh -huh. Because they have so many media assets at this point, I don't think they could grow any bigger in their in their media enterprise and not be subject to antitrust Monopoly. laws. Yeah. Monopoly and trust. Yeah. So what else you got? Yep. That's what I got. I was very proud of myself. I did this without even research on the fly. I know. I'm so proud of you. I did research. It was informative. I was able to cite sources. I threw a shout out to another guy that was on this. I mean, come on. Nice. Well, I actually have a couple more Disney and Star Wars related news items. Oh, my God. No. Yeah, I know. Oh, hell. <laughs> Let's hear it. All right, so uh, there's a really cool video trailer that somebody put together uh, using some AI mm -hmm. that puts Harrison Ford's face on the actor that did uh, Han Solo in Solo, A Star Wars Story. And, yeah, I still need to see that. Yeah, me too. And it looks actually really cool. I mean, the, the AI did a pretty good job. There's only, you know, a few scenes that... Um, that you can kind of tell the the face is, is kind of weird. but And actually, I tried to watch that movie on a flight that I had not too long ago, but uh, United's fucking Wi-Fi sucks balls. So I didn't get to actually watch it. I did watch the first <laughs> 10 minutes of the movie. That movie is fucking dark. They need to turn on a light switch. Yeah, I heard a lot of people boycott it just out of principle. I don't know why. Why would everybody want to boycott a new Star Wars? I don't know. I'm not sure why people are boycotting it, but yeah, the I didn't I didn't like the the first part of the movie because I couldn't see anything and it looked pretty yeah. cool, but um it did it did look compelling. I enjoyed what I got to see until the fucking Wi-Fi went out twice. Huh. Uh my last item is there was a Lost Empire Strikes Back documentary um, that somebody has found and uploaded and put onto YouTube. So uh, if you're curious about how Star Wars The Empire Strikes Back was made, you can now view that documentary on YouTube. Somebody, I, uh, don't, need, I don't need to do that. All I got to do is watch Star Wars Episode Nine, whatever the, the fucking, what do they call it? Uh... The Last Jedi and watch that and Battlefront at the same time. <laughs> but yeah, somebody uh, bought a DVD in auction and then uploaded that documentary that they found on there. So hope they gave props where they're supposed to. Yeah, I, well, I mean, I guess they they own the video, so they can do with it what as they wish. So right. Well, I, yeah, as long as they're not charging. Right. That that all that stuff just confuses me sometimes. But, pardon me. Anyway, 
Battlestar Galactica. Yeah. First thing I want to say about this. Well, let's do the pod crawl first. What do you say? Oh, right, right, right. Sorry. I'm, I'm just excited. I'm really just so like excited. This. I am. It's a good show. I enjoy it. All right. Let's do this. We can call it, I don't know, say a pod crawl. The pod crawl. Pod crawl. Pod crawl. Pod crawl. Excellent. Insert it deep. Pod crawl. Kind of like a space suppository full of information. A brief history of man ignoring all archaeological, evolutionary, and astrophysical science starts the series as we learn we are descendants of a lost 13th colony from the far reaches of space. (laughs) Zack wishes he had Jesse's girl but will settle with Cap Patrol as Starbuck gets a case of the blue flu. Adama meets with the rest of the Council of Sheeple, I mean elders, to discuss the peace accord with the Cylons. Apollo and Zack crash a Cylon Raider convention and get chased back to the Galactica, but Apollo, being the big brother he is, knows he doesn't have to outrun the Cylons, just his little brother. With the trap sprung, the colonial fleet is decimated with only the Galactica surviving and they head to the colonies to gather ships and survivors and start their search for the mythical planet Earth. A new council is elected at some point full of replacement old white guys and they elect to starve the peasants and glut the rich, so business as usual. In order to fuel their journey, the old white guy council decides to head to a planet surrounded by mines to refuel and restock provisions and water. What they find is a powder keg of a planet that hosts the lost set of Casino Royale and is the home planet of the Fly Girls. Taking a page out of Homer's Odyssey with a literal three sirens singing, the island planet houses a dark secret where the egg people, also known as the Ovian, use humans to breed their young and feed their people. Oh, and they are also in league with the Cylons who are using them to lure all the colonial warriors down to the planet so they can release their sequel, Sneak Attack Part 2, The Attackening. (laughs) However, Commander Adama is in a fool-me-once frame of mind and sees through the ruse and hatches a weird plan where he moves all the fighters down to the planet and uses decoys for his warriors at the awards ceremony to gain an advantage in launching a counter-attack. But for some reason, he doesn't launch the counter-attack until all the people from the awards ceremony make it back to the Vipers on the ground, so they have gained no time whatsoever. Behold the master strategist, Commander Adama. Confusing battle plans aside, the counter-attack is successful and they destroy the raider attack. Not content to just retreat, Apollo and Starbuck race along the planet's surface toward a Cylon-based ship on the other side. They put on an ad hoc performance of Greater Tuna that confuses the Cylons and brings them closer to the planet. Upon realizing that the squadrons of fighters they heard over the radio were actually just a couple of guys in drag, the Cylons fire on Apollo Buck and ignite the planet destroying it and the base ship. With the Cylon threat in the sector eliminated, the self-proclaimed ragtag fleet head toward the void in search of Earth. An epilogue ensues where the condemned to death Baltar gets a reprieve and is teamed up with a wacky wall-eyed devil and put in charge of a base ship of his own to extend the olive branch of peace to the fleeing colonials and roll co-starring credits. (laughs) <laughs> All right. First off, bastard. You need to let go of this detail you keep paying attention to. Yeah. So, yeah, you know, like plot points and holes that you can uh-huh, drive trucks uh-huh. through. You need to let it go. I should. Man. I really should. I'm being too pedantic, right? You are. That's what I say. <laughs> yeah. So, no. well, okay. So, all all things, you know aside this was a really enjoyable episode it's like episodes one through three and even though there are some definite writing flaws in this i i I was thoroughly entertained yeah me too and you know it's interesting on the on the you know you bought me the entire show true on a collector's box set that i thoroughly enjoy right and i thought it would be fun to watch because i've just watched that a lot over the years and I thought it would be fun to watch your H, your your high def version online, and then watch what I have. Uh huh. On mine, there is a portion of the of the video that's different. Really? Which one? And it shows on on mine when uh, Baltar is brought in. It actually shows him being executed. Oh, really? Yeah, I didn't and get that then, part. And then it shows the epilogue at the end where he's given Lucifer and and uh, his own base star. Okay, so that even doesn't. So that make was it- an editing issue. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. They actually. I mean, we're talking. You know, you have failed us. I am sorely disappointed in listening to you after reading your epistle. 
and then you see the Cylon bring up the sword and come down, and, and it cuts back to the fleet and how they're, boy, that was a close one. We sure have made it. And then you see it again at the epilogue with Baltar coming through, and it's like, I've decided to spare you. So apparently we're supposed to think that he stopped the sword just short of his neck. And Interesting, because I watched it on um, a collection that I got. It's on Blu-ray. Um, and it's of the, course it's on Blu-ray. You're the tech guy, yeah. and it's the collected series that also includes uh, Battlestar 1980, oh. or Galactica 1980. Yeah, yeah. Um. So yeah, that's interesting that yours, because mine's called the Remastered Collection. It's basically a high def remaster of yeah. of the show. So it's interesting that yours. <laughs> has that editing flaw in it where they actually kill Baltar like what they did well, it looks I guess like the original movie. So I guess you have the full original movie and then the epilogue that kind of started the, the TV series. Yeah, well, I often wondered, because it fell right in line with how I remembered it as a child, and I often wondered as a youngster and even now that maybe Baltar was the first skin job. Oh, yeah. That maybe they killed him and then... I don't know, put his brain engrams into a Cylon because they had to follow their, you know, all humans must be dead. Right. Now you just have the form of a human, but you're not really a human. You're a Cylon, but you've got the flawed thinking of a human being. Right. Because as you, as we'll see going through the series, he really steps on it several times. He's not that effective. Yeah, he doesn't really seem... I mean, he seems insidious, and I actually like this version of Baltar... A lot oh, better than better. the the new Battlestar Galactica version of Baltar. Um, he seems kind of insidious, and he seems a lot more clever and not as bumbling. Um, oh yes. So I'm I'm interested to see how they develop his character a little more. Um, I was really surprised to see Rick Springfield as Zach. Oh, yeah, yeah, that was... I think this was actually before Jesse's Girl, yeah. right about the same time. Uh, no, it was three years before Jesse's Girl. Well, and you're talking about uh, Count Baltar. I mean, not not only was, you know, in, in this show, was he, I think, a better, you know, character. The actor, John Kalikos, is huge in sci-fi. I mean, he was one of the better Klingons in the original Star Trek TV series, in my opinion. And they actually brought his original Klingon from the original series through uh, to Deep Space Nine. Really? Yeah. There's a really cool episode. Um, I can't remember the name of it. It's like, you know, Bound by Blood or Brothers of Blood or Oath of Blood or something. There's blood in there somewhere. And they got um, the three uh, actors that played Klingon commanders from the original series and brought them forward. And they played older versions of themselves, the exact same uh, characters. It was Koloth, Kang, and, oh, shoot, what was the other guy's name? Bob? Yeah, Bob. We'll call him Bob. Okay. But um, let me do a little quick on the fly here, so get the zipper down. It's down. Koloth, Kang, and, and, Koloth. Yeah, Blood Oath is the name of the episode. I knew Blood was in there somewhere. <laughs> uh, let's see. Let's where the names of them. The plot. Let's see. We've got Koloth, Kang, and Kor. And John Kalikos plays Kor. Um, so anyway, it was the Klingon commander from... Uh, the Trouble with Tribbles episode. Uh-huh. The Klingon commander from uh, Day of the Dove. And if you don't recall that one, that's the one where Kirk and the Enterprise pick up some Klingons. They're on the ship, and there's an alien entity that maintains a balance of 38 humans versus 38 Klingons, and the rest of the Enterprise crew is trapped below decks in the second half of the section of the ship. And they're just constantly killing each other and coming back to life and killing each other. And the entity lives off of the anger and the hate. Okay. Yeah, I vaguely remember that. And then, um, the, uh, of course, Core is the one. Do you remember uh, where they first met the Organians? No, I don't remember that one. 
there was a planet they wanted because they had the lithium, and uh, the Organians said, oh, no, we can't have you guys fight. They're, like, stuck at, you know, Renaissance-level technology. And Spock's like, there's no way this is possible. You know, these guys have had thousands of years to evolve, and they haven't even improved a matchstick. I mean, this this is not possible. And then they find out they're actually energy beings that have the, the Organian Treaty basically said, in the event that the Klingons and the Federation ever go to war, they will both be destroyed. They'll just be removed from the universe. They're like Q in their power. Huh, interesting. And, yeah, the Organian Treaty is a big thing in the original Star Trek universe. And um, it wasn't until some episode where there was an actual fight, and they're like, well, I guess the Organians left the galaxy because none of us blew up when we started fighting. Because, <laughs> um, yeah, in the, in the original episode when they met the Organians, when the Organians said, okay, enough's enough. You guys are going to stop. They superheated every single thing that could possibly be used to hurt another person to over 500 degrees all across the galaxy that the Klingons of the Federation had. Uh, okay. Yeah. And it's like, nobody, I mean, they couldn't even touch each other. Jeez. <laughs> Not even hand to hand. Because when you touched them, even though they were okay, their skin was like 500 degrees Fahrenheit compared to you. I mean, it was just, it was really bizarre. That seems weird. But they brought, John, the, the, whole, the whole point of that tent, let's bring it back, is John Calicos. He is an excellent actor. He's always done really well in sci-fi. And he is a much more clearly defined antagonist than what they've got going with the little British guy from the new reboot. Right, right. Yeah, no. I think. Not that I don't think that guy's a good actor. It's just the way they wrote the character. Well, and we haven't seen very much of him. I mean, we saw him at the beginning of the episode. We saw him at, uh, kind of, you know, as, what, three, four minutes at the most whenever he was talking to Lord Helmet's dad. Um <laughs> And uh, and then we see him at the very epilogue where uh, they kind of give him his pardon and right. put him together with uh, the smallest cone or the littlest cone head. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I like how you say you really enjoyed this and you're mocking it. So far. I mock everything. The what about what about the score? The score was really good. I, I like the I score. I love, I, I think, I, I just, I would love, I mean, oh, it's just some majesty to it. It's like the Imperial Death March, you know. Well, it's, it's, yeah, so. It's powerful. It's great. So, I mean, this, this show was trying to capitalize on the Star Wars phenomenon. And they were trying to make the score as good as, if not better than John Williams' Star Wars score. And I think they they did a really good job on it. So mm-hmm. it's it'd be a great national anthem. I, uh, yeah, not sure about that, but I think it'd be awesome. Trump up there on a shiny new wall, oh, music going, fireworks bursting off behind him in his toupee. Oh. So thanks for ruining everything for me. <laughs> <laughs> I do what I can. No. I like the show. The writing has some uh, some room for improvement. Well, yeah, and also the way they develop characters. Now, I do like. Um, I enjoy the grittiness of the of the reboot of Battlestar, but I also like the the idea that if mankind's been around to fight the Cylons for as long as they have. I mean, in, in, the, in this Battlestar universe, the Galactica is like 500 years old. In this one? Yes. Oh, wow. The Galactica's old. They've been fighting the Cylons for a thousand years. Oh, I didn't realize that. I don't think this they mentioned a, this that. Is, this is a millennial fight. Um, they originally got into it, as they referenced in this episode, to defend other races that were being oppressed by the Cylons. Right. And I'm not sure I like the whole, the Cylons were developed by lizard people who then eventually killed the lizard people, but we still call them Cylons because mm-hmm. we called the original people, lizard people, Cylons. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not sure mm-hmm. I like that aspect. I really like the, the way they turned it around in the new Battlestar Galactica series where mm-hmm. mankind created this AI. The AI gained sentience and decided they didn't want to be slaves anymore. So, yeah, I like that better too. Yeah, I do. 
I do like that. Like part. I said, the, the writing needs to be tightened up. The writing has some issues. Um, there's some inconsistencies. Like, I don't think anybody on the writing staff knows anything about like space or physics or how things work because breaking flaps in space. I know. I know. Damn it. I knew you were going to bring that up. <laughs> Did you also notice the inconsistencies in the cockpits of the, of the Vipers? So it's really cool. Yes. It's really cool. I, the some of the things that they cobbled together to create the Viper cockpits was really neat, though. Um, considering you know this is back in the seventies, one of the things I love that radio dial that they used in, oh, yeah. in the Viper. But there was also another thing that I I paused to because uh, my better half was watching this this with me, and she actually remembers mm. watching this as a child. She was like, "I've seen this before." We Good watched girl. this whenever I was a kid. I was, you owe her a foot rub. <laughs> we were sitting on my, or I was sitting on my living room floor watching this as a really young child. I think I've seen this. And she was, she said yeah. that throughout the entire thing. And so yeah. then she asked her dad and sure enough, they watched the entire fucking series. So, yeah. Um, and I wouldn't, I would never have pegged my father-in-law as, as, watching Battlestar Galactica. If somebody said, I'll I'll give you fifty dollars if you can tell me whether your your father in law watched you Battlestar Galactica, I would have said no and lost fifty dollars. So Really? Oh yeah. That's kind of neat. Yeah. So whole new dimension to the family. Um but so I paused to look at that radio dial, but I didn't pause quite quick enough. And on the next scene when he was um Oh, what did they? What did they call it? It was uh, he was switching from the left servo circuit or something like that. Um, there was a panel from some sort of computer interface system uh, that translated EBSI Dick to U.S. ASCII, and uh-huh. <laughs> so EBSI Dick and U.S. ASCII are, are two different code pages for uh, how computers interpret text. FC Dick is uh, an IBM mainframe developed uh, code page, whereas US ASCII was used on uh, most other systems like uh, PCs. And if you if you put in the 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 binary uh, format of that text code page without doing the proper interpretation, you'll get garbage because they don't the 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 letters in mm. that code page don't line up. Uh, properly between the two co-pages but oh so uh, it was really cool to see kind of you know some of the things that they cobbled together that they probably never thought anybody would actually look at because the fidelity of tv back then you would have never seen something like that but on you know the high def remaster it's it's right there you can actually read everything on that panel I have some bullshit then to throw your way because although I don't know about the one thing you talked about, ASCII brought up something in my little brain pan. Uh If you want to go down a rabbit hole, you want to go to the interwebs and type in ASCII crop circle. ASCII crop circle? Yes. Apparently a few years back there was a crop circle that appeared in England, of course. And it was a circle... And it had all kinds of little different chunks appearing in different parts, kind of like a, like if you looked at a record, mm-hmm. old records. And uh, somebody apparently got the idea to take all that and put it into a computer, and apparently it was an ASCII code. Uh-huh. And it basically says something I'm not going to tell you. But there was a message <laughs> in the crop circle written in ASCII. Oh, yeah. I'm looking at an image of it right now. Yeah, that kind of looks cool. And, so uh, anyway, there you go. You said ASCII. And I'm like, I know ASCII. Uh, that almost sounds funny. like I'm mocking somebody's language. I know ASCII. I tell you, I know ASCII. <laughs> yeah, I'll have to check but that out. what about the Cylon Heavy Raider? So the Cylon Heavy Raider actually looks pretty cool. I think it's pretty fucking oh, inefficient yeah. that it takes three Cylons to operate the bitch, but... It, it does, but when you do some of the reading in the canon, it kind of makes sense. Really? How's that? Well, they do have an interceptor, and it, it's a single it's a single seater for the for the Cylon. But the problem with that is the uh, apparently the way the Cylons like to fight is they want to have kind of an all in one 
fighter. Mm-hmm. And it not only has to be able to, uh, to fight other interceptors, they also want it to be capable of doing uh, transporting of troops. Okay. So that they can uh, seize technology. They're almost like the Borg in that regard. If something's good enough to be a threat, they want to know why, and maybe it's something they can adapt to their own use. And so what they will do oftentimes is they will land, and then they've got three soldiers. Because those can be operated by a single Cylon if necessary, just for flying. Flying in combat requires an entirely different uh, deal. You'd have to have two pilots, and the reason there's a third pilot is that's like a higher-level commander. So you've got basically two... Think of it like this. You've got a gladiator bot that is set up to be a good pilot and a gladiator bot whose limited processor is set to be a good uh, weapons officer. And then you've got a fully programmed, larger CPU, more expensive or whatever time-consuming unit to make that it's in command of that ship. And so they're designed to go in and be a heavy assault fighter, i.e. combat transport. They're like two and a half times bigger than a Viper. They're not as fast. They're not as maneuverable. They've got way heavier firepower. Well, yeah, they were taking on capital ships. Yeah, I mean, these things are, you know, really powerful. You know, just a a squadron. That's why I've always been kind of surprised, especially when I started reading more about the canon, that as much of the fleet survived as it did in the original show because a single squadron of heavy raiders... By the time, you know, they got actually intercepted by the cap from those Vipers, they could probably take out two or three of those human escape ships. Oh, I know. That's a, Yeah, that's another thing that confused me is Adama came up with this convoluted plan to create decoys uh, for the awards ceremony with just uh, ancillary crew members dressed up as mm-hmm. officers so that right. he could hold back his flight crew Mm-hmm. And his pilots, so that they would have you know an advantage on launching their vipers to do the counterattack. But they didn't launch a fucking viper until everybody from the award ceremony was already there. So, right. what the hell was the whole point to that? Well, not everybody from the award ceremony. I mean, most of Blue Squadron, including Jolly, was never at the. The thing they were down on the ground, ready to launch in the Vipers. Yeah, but they didn't, or they were part of the rescue force inside those armored personnel carriers. Right, but they didn't launch until the people from the award ceremony got there, because they didn't launch until those personnel carriers got there. Right, and it's basically there's some kind of givens that they throw in. For example, one of the first things the Galactica would want to do is recognize the fact that their cap isn't going to be big enough to protect the entire fleet. So they would have had to have removed some of the weapons from the Galactica and installed them on the ships, augment their shields, and give them some kind of minimal defensive weaponry. Right. So that's supposed to assist as well. Not to mention, you know, like how the bombers would work in World War II. They'd fly in a formation that would allow one bomber to provide protective fire for other bombers within a certain envelope. So apparently the fleet's doing something like that also. Right. And another thing is, um, so another thing, at the very beginning of the show, they had uh, Zach and Apollo out doing cap. They found the Centurions, or they found the, the Raiders, and they were coming back, mm. but they nobody notified the Galactica as to what was going on until Apollo landed. Well, they, they couldn't have been jammed whenever they got that close to the Galactica because those freighters were the ones that were jamming the signal, right? I mean, if you're... Well, no, the Raiders can jam also. You think? Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. You got to realize... This is a heavy fighter. This is an all-in-one. These things are designed to operate. They don't have hyperdrive or whatever um, FTL drives like in the new boot, the reboot show. But these things are literally, that is like a little starship with those three guys, with the three Centurions on board. They do have limited EWO capability. Okay. Well, I can see that, but... Apollo like outran Zach. I mean, he yeah, was- he should have been able to. You're correct in that. I think Apollo should have been able to let them know. Right. 
if nothing else, he was communicating with them when he was able to come in for a landing. Right. He should have said, Cylons are fucking shoot- shooting at us. Launch, launch, you know, something. Well, and even without that, Adama knew. I mean, they had him picked up on, on scanners. Right. And Baltar said, oh, it's a Cylon welcoming committee. <laughs> right, yeah. Thousands you of know, ships so, I mean, heading the your way. I saw them coming committee. in. <laughs> yeah. You know, there's nearly a thousand of them. Wow, they must really be glad we're here. They like us. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so, I mean, yeah, that Zach would not be able to be communicated with. Um, he would not be able to outrun them for very long with only two engines, with the third engine being disabled. Um, the uh, the whole braking flap thing, yeah, you're right, that's bull. That's bull carb. That's <laughs> so bull the carb. reverse thrusters. Bull, boulder carb. Reverse thrusters were fine, yeah. Reverse thrusters yeah. and launch braking flaps. What the fuck are you going to flap against? Yeah. Well, you know, and in this in this one, uh, in this uh, universe, they've got both the Cylon and the Colonial Viper are atmospheric. They're, they're dual purpose craft. Sure. So that's, you know, a given with that. But um, and I can see the, breaking uh, flaps in an atmosphere. That would sure, sure. But it's not going to do anything in space. No. What if they're in a semi-fluidic space, though? Uh, no, space doesn't work like what? that. Well, not in our universe. No, no, no. This is our universe. They're in a different galaxy. For, yeah, I know. I saw that. Or yeah, I've, I I caught that whenever he said uh, Earth is in another galaxy. But they're looking so just for pick Earth, one. so they're in our We're universe. just going to pick one. That's what got me. Okay, Earth's in a different galaxy, so where are you yeah. going to go? So which galaxy? Yeah. There's only a few of Boy, them. Boy, they were lucky. They picked the right one first off, because they do find Earth. Yeah, that's right. Galactica 1980, they're on Earth. So they, they, do, they do find Earth. <laughs> oh, I can hardly wait till you meet the space Nazis. Oh, God. Oh my God! I can hardly wait to you meet. They're actually not too bad, as far as um, their technology is not not up to par, but they're they're not too badly done. But you're gonna love their helmets. <laughs> oh my God! It does look like something out of Spaceballs. <laughs> so, but yeah, what do you think of the costume design? I like it. I like it for the most part. Um, I like the colonial warrior yes, outfit. I do. In fact, when I used to play Battlestar Online, I would make my pilots look like the original colonial, not the new. Yeah, I actually like the original colonial. Uh, I like their helmets better too. I don't. I'm not so much on their helmets. The Egyptian thing, I think, is kind of cool. It gives you a tie-in. Yeah, no, I'm. I'm still not. I'm not big on that on that helmet. Now, the 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 battle suits I do like. I wish they weren't like brown. I think they would be better in like a gray or some other color other than brown, but you know, brown was mm-hmm. popular in the 70s, so very. Um now the Capricans costuming, I was really confused about. It kind of looks like they're cosplayers from medieval times. Yeah. Um but wouldn't it be cool if that kind of caught on, though? I wouldn't mind wearing a cloak. A cloak and a tunic? And yeah. leggings? Yeah. yeah. Or one of them pirate shirts with the poofy sleeves? Well, no, that's not that's not what they were wearing. They wore, like, leggings and... and well, no, I understand. I'm just saying some of those clothes look kind of cool, uh, man. Okay, so it's almost Halloween. Uh, right. You can certainly dress like that, and and, and we can, can take pictures just for a limited and, time, yeah. though. Yeah. No, I think you can just probably incorporate it, that into your dress full time. I should. should. I should. But no, I've always been a fan of the cloak. It seems like a nice, heavy cloak, especially in a colder climb, would be a very utilitarian, highly functional. Well, garment. it would be, but they weren't really wearing cloaks; they were wearing capes. Like Shazam. Yeah, they were short capes, too. They weren't really going to protect Yeah, like Shazam. <laughs> I kept wanting to see, I kept wanting to see uh, uh, Lauren Green do that. I don't think he was quite campy enough to do that, like, in a, in a blooper reel. But it would be great if he just, like, told everybody, launch all Vipers. Shazam. Shazam. That just be, Shazam. <laughs> 
I like the uh, I like the term for prostitute in this universe. Socialator. Socialator. Yes. Space hooker. Yes. <laughs> Space hooker. No. Now you make it sound like she's some kind of a demon. No, she's actually more like a, a like a a geisha. A slutty nun. A slutty nun. Yeah. She's taking confession. No, it's more like a courtesan. She's like a a, a high end call girl, I guess, or. Right, right, but you got to, but you feel better about yourself after you've I, gone to church. I bet you do. I bet a little you do. weak in the knees, but you feel better for. <laughs> I was really surprised to see such a young Jane Seymour. Oh, I know they have some pretty quality actors in they there. They have a they? stacked cast. I mean, really, they're they're actually you're going to see another actress appear. Who's that? Do you remember the television series Lost in Space? Yes. June Lockhart. Really, the mother. She is in one episode of this, but her daughter is a regular on the show. She's a Viper pilot. Really? I, I, and she and she and her mother look so much alike. They cannot be denied. And there's some other neat guest appearances you're going to see. For example, one that you probably never would have expected. Do you remember? Um, it's... Uh, uh, I'm trying to think of the uh, animation. It, it, it's one of the, like, Frosty the Snowman from the 60s. The stop motion? The stop animation. You know the one I'm talking yeah, about? Yeah, the stop motion there animation. Was a guy, there was a guy that was the postman that was talking about all this. He was the, the narrator for the cartoon. Um, the little postman. Well, I don't know what Frosty's going to do here, kids, but I guess we're going to have to do our best. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was played by a guy you may have heard of named Fred Astaire. Oh, really? Fred Astaire is going to make an appearance? in one of the episodes. Wow. Yeah, he plays, and this isn't giving anything away, because um, uh, you'd see this in the little uh, trailer for the episode. But it is possible they're looking into the possibility that um, he's Starbucks' father. Ah, and he is just as big a uh, flim-flam artist as you could imagine Starbucks being were he not in the military. So the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. Pretty much. And that's one of the reasons why they're like, maybe we should do some DNA testing on this. Right. But, um, yeah, they've got some pretty big stars that waltz in and out of this series. Very nice. You know who else was a star in this show? Hmm. Um, so whenever I first saw it, one of my notes was, oh my God, that poor person in the dog suit. Oh yeah. The chimp. It wasn't a person. It was a chimp. They had a chimp as the dog. Yeah. That's amazing because the chimp does such a great job as that dog. I mean, well, but at the same time, they couldn't do that now. No, they couldn't. I mean, it's probably, I mean, that probably wasn't good for the chimp having him. Well, no, and the chimp to make it work better in the suit, as I recall, it was kind of Benadryled. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, that's as awful. I, as I recall, they would give it some some medication to help it because it didn't like have anything on its head. Oh, yeah, no, bad call, bad move. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, don't don't fall in love with that idea. But unfortunately, there are some things that, you know, we've corrected in our society that we don't allow to occur any longer. But uh, yeah, that I'm pretty sure. And also, you know, it was it was a, a full grown chimp as opposed to, you know, a cute little baby that a lot of people think chimps are. Right. They don't realize that once those things get full grown, because that suit was decent size, but that there wasn't a lot of that was. That suit was not any bigger on the chimp than a heavy winter coat would be on you. Right, but still, I mean, imagine... That's a big animal, yeah. and they don't want it going crazy. Well, yeah, it'll rip your arm off. Yeah, literally. But I can't imagine that chimp with all of its hair and then that thick-ass suit on top of it. Oh, my God, that thing had to have been melting. <coughs> yeah. Yep. And why do centurions carry swords? Because they're cool. <laughs> I'd carry one if I could. 
That was another one of my uh, questions, as well as public executions. Why do Cylons need public executions? That seemed weird. Well, the reason they would need public executions, though, makes perfect sense, because they're trying to instill the, the psychological fear in the minds of their, of their enemy. They probably wouldn't give a shit one way or the other. Right. But they're, you know, they're, they're probably looking at, you know, the way the humans would interpret. Right. Um, apparently Cylons are also scared of fire and have stormtroopers disease. No, they do not have stormtroopers disease. Are you sure? Because they couldn't hit shit. No, they don't have stormtroopers disease. They just can't. Their eye keeps going back and forth. You know, they're trying to <laughs> they're trying to focus. You know, everything's right. moving. That's all it is. It's simply a matter of focus. <laughs> it's not stormtroopers' disease. Well, I mean, I feel. So- I think it would be better if when that whenever they are, you know, they're scanning back and forth all the time. But when they do focus on something, that thing stops. Right. That would be cool. That's what I would have changed. Um, I feel sorry for that poor. Uh- that poor Cylon Lucifer, because he's got not just one scanner that goes nuts, but he's got two, and they work in opposite directions. Can you imagine trying to yeah, focus for they, that they've guy? Yeah, they've been they've been adapting to that in Arkansas for decades. Well, right. So I mean, it's doable. It's it, yeah, you're right. It's absolutely doable. <laughs> 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 and with that, it's time for a rich and rare shot. <laughs> So uh, I liked the I liked the the counselor um, that was you know basically in charge of the the whole award ceremony um, when the Cylons raided. I like how he was like, uh, or Apollo told everybody to head for the exits because the Cylons were chasing them up to the the party, and then yeah, you're talking you're talking uh, Cyrus yeah Cyrus Cyrus Eri yeah. And uh, he basically yeah, said, he basically said, don't do that. I'm in charge. And then the Cylons came out shooting. It was like, follow him. He's in charge. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Politicians. Yeah. It's, it's kind of an age old thing. You know, once you, you're not considered qualified to be in any kind of a political position of power and authority until you have a certain amount of age and experience and are white. And then and once dude. you ascend to that, you are no longer in touch and you don't understand what's going on. This really rang true with the, um, the age that you see in the characters. Right. Yeah. And like I, like I mentioned, you know, they were all old, old white dudes and, I I do like well on the new council. Well, even on the old council, they were all old. No, the old council they had some Near Eastern. There was at least one person that could have been of Pakistani or Indian descent. I guess I missed that. He had the veil going oh, across his well, face. Okay, so he had the okay. Yeah, I remember seeing that. But still, I mean, one dude. Hey, Colonel Ty's black. He's not on the council, is he? No, because they don't want to get anything done. <laughs> right. But no, I do like I do like the the diversity that the new Battlestar Galactica uh shows mm. a lot more than this. And there were no there women were, on the and council. There were no women in a fighter in this episode or these three episodes either. Oh, there will be though. Which surprised There's me when be you a said a lot that. of women. Of course it's There's it's be a lot probably by necessity because they've already lost a lot of fighter jocks there is there is in fact there is another episode where out of necessity they have to train retrain female shuttle pilots to be viper pilots right so it was interesting to see how they they kind of amalgamated some of the characters in the new battle star so athena and boomer have been amalgamated into you know boomer and not boomer in the new battle star mm-hmm. Um, that was interesting. I didn't realize mm-hmm. that Athena in in the original series was Zach and Apollo's sister. Sister, yeah, yeah. and gorgeous and cries all the time. Too. I'm not sure why she needed She's to very, cry very all the pretty. time. She's very she pretty. She was very pretty. Very pretty. Hers easy on my eyes. Um, yeah, I think that's all I had. So I did. I did really like this this show. I, I liked the the uh, 
Oh, I like I the could series. Even, or I like the series so far. I can't even remember how many hours I was on my Huffy with the banana seat, and it was really a viper. <laughs> I was tearing through the neighborhood looking for the Cylons. Oh, my gosh. And they recycled a lot of these sound effects in the Buck Rogers series. And I they think did. some of the visual effects, too. Well, and it's the same, it's the same producer, Glenn Larson. Right, right. And one of the new council members was um, the doctor in the new Buck Rogers. It, it was driving me nuts. I heard his voice, <laughs> and I was yeah. like, I know him. from What the hell else have I seen him? And I had to look yeah, it up, Buck and Rogers. sure enough, he was yeah. in Buck Rogers. Well, and uh, not only that, but uh, both of the doctors, um, when Buck comes back, um, there's the, the politician guy and the old aging fellow that are speaking to Buck. Uh-huh. And the old aging fellow, um, he was on the council of the Quorum of the Twelve. But then also the, the younger guy, the politician, that was explaining to Buck how things are, and he was kind of like the one that he and Colonel Deering would report to. Uh, He's also got a couple of cameos in the series. You'll see him as well. Ah. Unfortunately, Hawk does not appear in Battlestar ever. Oh. I remember Hawk. With or without the weird character. Yeah, he was like Spock, but a Hawk. Yeah. Spock Hey, those rhyme. Yeah. Spock Hawk. <laughs> I remember as a kid thinking his girlfriend was so cute, his little mate or whatever, and then she died. Right. Oh well. Sad All right. Day. You have a you have any awards? Nope. No awards. No awards. No awards. Show was great. Needs no improvement. Show was perfect. Even if they did recycle a lot of their uh, Dreadus screen shots, showing same thing over and over again. Like the only Dreda's screenshot that yeah. showed the same thing over and over again? Yeah, yeah. Showed Zach getting blown up a yeah, lot. over and over and, again. Yeah, well, it burned into over. that It burned into that old monitor. <laughs> they left it on too long. You remember when we had to worry about that? I do. Oh, my I God. Do. Oh, my God. No, I got all kinds of I got all kinds of awards. Well, let's hear them. All right. Well, my Black Lung Award... You're going to think I'm going to say Starbuck, but that's not what I'm picking. Really? I picked the Atlantia. The Atlantia? Yeah. It was definitely smoking. She was smoking. <laughs> Even when they had full decompression on the bridge, they still had smoke. I know. Those guys were hanging on. I'm I don't saying. know what they thought they were, was going to happen. I mean, once, the, <laughs> once all the atmosphere. Well, and side note, side note, one of the things I really enjoy about this show is the fact that the bridge is not sitting atop anything in a large blister or obvious target format. Well, it's up towards the big. Uh, it is up towards the, the front part of the hull, but it's it's buried. There's a lot of armor. Yeah, I mean, you've got that one window that they can kind of open and shut. You know, a, I don't know. I, shutter. I don't know that I would even classify that as a window. You can see out of it, right? Well, yeah, but I'm I'm kind of wondering if is it a window so much. Is it just maybe a projection screen, but it might just be they don't want in the event that damage occurs or whatever that. They no, don't want. I'm pretty sure that's a window. You're, you're really thinking it's a window? Well, yeah, because they say shield negative or shield positive, and they. Oh, and I have a shutter. question. I have yeah. a question. The science question. I was going on the internet, and somebody told me or I was listening and they made the statement, the assertion that if you made glass and if you could get glass made to, you know, all the imperfections are gone, no impurities whatsoever. And it's made in a zero G environment. It would be as strong as steel. Mm, I don't think that's right. Is that possible? I don't think that's right. Because I was wondering about like, you know, a lot of, a lot of these spaceship shows we watch, they've got windows, they've got portals and stuff. And like in Star Trek, they've got that that uh, nonsense material, transparent aluminum. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, okay, if you can have some kind of something, you know, or, or plastisteel, I think they call it in the Star Wars universe. And I was just wondering if there's any kind of an equivalent to that. 
fucking Well, reality. I mean, we have plexiglass, which is really yeah, strong. But you only get so thick with that before you really can't see through it. But it, it depends on the it depends on the matrix mm-hmm. and the the bonds between the the atoms that create that matrix mm-hmm. and the molecules that create that matrix. Because I was thinking if I was going to come up with a window for a spaceship, I'd want it made out of some kind of like a diamond. Yeah, so the the bonds between carbon and a diamond and that crystalline structure that creates that diamond is incredibly stable, incredibly strong. And that's what what lends diamond its strength. But if you think about it, if you hit it just right, it it fractures. Yeah. Even, even diamond. I mean, that's that's how they chip diamonds into shapes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh well. I guess we just need a lightsaber in the force. And I'm not sure that, you know, making glass in a zero G environment that's perfectly pure would make it as as hard as steel. I don't think this because glass is is silicon. Exactly. I don't I don't know that the silicon bond would be that would be stronger than than steel than carbon, yeah, or even carbon, yeah, yeah. Anyway, that's my thing. But I I wanted to give it to the Atlantic because I figured Starbucks would be too obvious, and then I got to think, well, what else is smoking in here? And I mean, there was even massive amounts of smoke in space when that thing went up. Right. <laughs> well, mine is much more obvious. I did go with Starbucks because that motherfucker smokes a cigar in just about every scene he's in. Yeah, notice you said he. Good pronoun. He, male Starbucks. What's wrong with male, a female Starbucks? Male boomer, male Starbucks. Oh my god. There's nothing wrong with a female There's boomer. There's nothing. In I'm not saying there is, but I grew up with the first ones. I know, and change and it's is really bad, tough. Right? I mean, if they suddenly made all the, the 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 big characters, you know, like 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 they did a reboot or something of Star Wars, and all of a sudden Luke Skywalker was a girl, and Obi Wan was a girl, and Darth Vader was a girl. I mean, it would be, it would be there would be people crying a foul. There would be, and they would be wrong. They would be wrong because nobody's more evil than a woman. So let a female be Darth Vader. <laughs> Dartha, Darth Vader, Darth Mater, Mater, Mater. Anyway, Darth Mutter, yeah, Mutter, Darth Mutter. But Darth Mutter, Darth, Darth Mutter, Darth Mutter. <laughs> but she'd have yep. to carry a chancla instead of a lightsaber, right? No, I'm sorry, wrong answer. Nah. But still, equally frightening. A mom with a chancla is dangerous. Right. Um, so, yeah, my smoking award goes to the Atlantia. Yours goes to, to Starbuck. My head lush is going to go to Adama. Uh, really? Yeah. He was uh, he was drinking it up, feeling a little little sorry for himself, having a little pity party he when was. Athena came, came and saw him. So. Mine's going to go to Boomer. Boomer, okay. Yeah, remember uh, when uh, they're looking for Boxy? Uh-huh. And they said, you know, you want us to take you to him? And they said, yes, please. And then they go, and then you see Boomer and Starbuck in the little lounge area. Yeah, yeah. And Boomer isn't just drinking. He's like back on that That's right. lazy boy looking <laughs> beach bag, yeah, whatever. Right. I mean, he was chill. He was chilling. I mean, we're, we're talking the man had the gin and the juice. Had it all. He did. Yeah, he was, he was definitely... And it was just so out of character for him because he's very straight laced. I know. In fact, in Galactica 1980, he takes over for Colonel Ty. Oh, really? Yeah, we never really know what happens to Colonel Ty. Adama's still in charge of the fleet, although he's sporting a uh, uh, Colonel Ty read the script. A Van Dyke to him. Yeah, he's like, I got better things to do. (laughs) Yeah, but yeah, they got Boomer to, to take over in the Colonel's position. So apparently, not only did he. You know, advanced, but he changed uh, military uh, units. He's no longer in the colonial fleet. He's part of the Marines now. He's a colonel. Nice. But and that's another thing I found kind of interesting about how the they they do the show though is how the the colonial warrior is not the same as a colonial marine. The colonial warrior is equal parts pilot and ground pounder, as opposed to just the 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 dark black. Navy blue uniformed uh, shock troops that the Galactica has. 
Yeah, that was interesting too. And I kind of thought maybe the colonial warriors were the officer corps and the and the navy blue jumpsuited dudes were uh, you know, the enlisted, but No, they're not. They're not. No, they're not. It's it's and it's not the first time that we've seen this. Uh, another show that I just really enjoyed growing up a guilty pleasure pleasure when I was uh, a younger fellow was uh, Space Above and Beyond. Mm-hmm. Love and that the, show. The Space Marines were also the same thing. They were pilots and they were ground units. Right. Right. Yeah. So. You're right. Well, and Arlie Army was their instructor, so you know they're going to be yeah. good. No, I like that show. That was a great show. Fighting the Chigs. Is that on the list? Oh, it is. Are you sure? Yeah, we talked about it. Well, let's make sure, because if it's not on the list, it needs to be on and the list. And those episodes are on YouTube. Albeit not really well copied, but they are there. It is not on the list. No. It is not on the list. It well, then I the guess we're now. just never going to watch it. Trust us, guys. It's a good show. Shame we can't talk about it. It's not on the list. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you could put it in that slot you were thinking about after we got that RIPD taken care of. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Who's got your player award? Oh, the player award's going to go to the Socialator. Aha, okay. She's I'm, got I'm, giving it, I'm giving it to Cassiopeia. That's, she's got mine, too. I mean, Why? if nothing else, when, when, she, when, when Starbuck gets busted by both her and Athena, yep. she tells him flat out, next time, office rate. Office rates. rate. <laughs> <laughs> so Mama's not only got it going on, she's got herself a bill. Oh man, she got mine. Or she got it whenever they were in the uh, the launch bay. That was and wrong. Was, what Athena did was wrong. <laughs> yeah. And Do you think was, that launch bay ever stopped smelling of Vienna sausages after I that? I don't know. Maybe. But yeah, when she was when she was like, "Is there any place private?" And he was like, "Well, you know, there's the there's the launch tube, but you know, it's 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 dark and scary in there." And she was like, "Fuck it, let's go." <laughs> yeah. So yeah. you picked her too? Yeah, she's my player. Oh my god, we actually oh wow, that's rare. And my purple hippo, I was originally gonna give it to the robot dog because I was <laughs> thinking whoever in the hell had to play that that part, you know, in that suit, crawling around in that damn suit had to uh-huh. have been seeing some visions. Right. But um, as soon as Starbuck was in the uh, launch tube and got his asparagus steamed, mm-hmm. yeah, he got my purple hippo because you know he was seeing visions when that. Oh, happened. he was absolutely, absolutely. Now, when it, my purple hippo award, my purple hippo award is going to go to the group of humans that first got discovered exactly what's for dinner. <laughs> and they went down and they saw and that chick started screaming and losing her shit. Absolutely. So I'm saying that was the purple hippo word for me was that one small, quiet walk on actress. that's probably never done anything again, but she had me convinced that whatever she was seeing was not anything she wanted to see any more of. I bet. Yes. So that's my purple hippo. Perfect. All right. I like how we both were a little kind of on the edge on that last one. That's kind of cool. <laughs> None of us had any problem. Neither one of us had any problems talking Purple Hippo with the sirens singing. Oh, no, no. I mean, that was, eh. The sirens singing. So if you're going to crib something from, from Homer, at least make it your own, not just a <laughs> direct fucking plagiarism. It's just... <laughs> Come on. Hey, he's allowed to do anything he wants because I can't believe you haven't said one thing that is painfully obvious in the oh, show. Oh, I know. I know. I was going to mention that Adama was a Moses character. There, there we go. Just, and Mormons this is space. all about what? Mormons in space. There you are. There it is. Yeah, I got gotcha. you. I was trying not to mention that and bring that to the fore because that just... Yeah, it's smacks of obvious. <laughs> it makes me want to be a Mormon. 
<laughs> really? This is what they're going to get. You die, you come back in the colonial fleet fighting Cylons. Right. Wait, I thought you were supposed to get your own planet. Do you? Yeah. Do I, I get to were, have vipers? thought you were supposed to get your own planet to, to lord over and shit. I was doing some uh, looking on uh, about the, 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 the control sticks and the Viper Cop picks switch. Uh-huh. One you'll see that says uh, the red button says fire underneath it. Yeah. The other yeah. one says stores. Yeah, I saw that. The stores. What the hell is that for? It's it's European Canadian for 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 weapons. You're you're releasing the the weapon stores. Oh, I see. Okay, it's it's a Canadian Euro thing. But while I was checking that out, I noticed that because um, I was looking up individual images uh-huh. on on the search that I did, and I saw several pictures of F-16 fi- fighting Falcons. Uh-huh. And so I'm like, well, it's one of my favorite aircraft. So I clicked on it. Just how the hell is this linking in? And then you what got are a they virus. thinking? Not a virus. No, did not touch my computer. <laughs> um, <laughs> inside joke, guys. Um, no, apparently there were quite a few fans of the show when the F-16 first went production line. And they started referring to the F-16 Falcon as Vipers. And they started calling oh, themselves Viper pilots. I see. All right. So next week... Uh, we are going to go over episodes four and five, The Lost Planet of the Gods. Oh. So looking forward to that. I'm actually... Why is it when this. you said that I got a picture of Chris Hemsworth without a shirt laying across an animal pelt bed? Lost Planet of the Gods? I don't know. Yes. Maybe because you consider him a god? I, I, I'm not, not when the sun's up. I'm got a... Just, you know, just trying, you know. Got a little man crush going? I wouldn't. No, I did just admire his acting ability. Yes, yes, his, his, his well-formed acting abilities. (laughs) His well-formed acting abilities, yes. The the planet of Hemsworth. I'm there. Hello. Well, that's all we've got for this week. Our intro and outro music is Welcome Home by Cambo. Podcrawl music is Snack Mix by Machette. If you like the show, please rate and review us on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, Podchaser, and Blueberry. You can leave us feedback at smokinganddrinkinginspace.com, on Twitter at status underscore podcast, or you can email us at smokinganddrinkinginspace at outlook.com. I've been Jason. I've been Red. And we'll talk to you next week. Later. We haven't picked. We, we we haven't we haven't we haven't done something. What? I don't know. I just don't want it to end. <laughs> it's Battle Star. Yep, yep, yep. It's just come to an end so quickly. I know.